In our second reading that we heard today from the first letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul begins by telling us that the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the grammar he uses there is quite interesting. He tells us that the body is for something. Not that the body is something, but that it is for something. To say that the body is for something implies that the body has a purpose, a meaning, and a final end. Pens are for writing. Cars are for driving. A thing's purpose gives us its meaning for its existence and is found in what the thing is for. And nowadays, we often say that the body is something with little to no understanding of what the body is for. But St. Paul, of course, gives us the answer today. The body is for the Lord. It is for holiness. And it is for heaven. And believe it or not, brothers and sisters, our bodies have a role to play in our salvation. That's at the heart of St. John Paul II's theology of the body. Because from the very beginning of time, the only thing that God lacked was a body. And so that's why he decided, among the many reasons, why he decided to become a human being. And that's what's so special about the person of Jesus, that God, the eternal word, desired to take to himself a human body. Now, why would he feel the need to do this? It's because we know that our bodies are beset with sin. They are beset with weakness. And so often the body has been at the center of human sinfulness. And we use our bodies to harm others in so many ways. You can even go back to the very beginning. Humanity has used the body against God and against his love. And it's often been done in the name of freedom. And it has its roots in the garden itself. When Adam and Eve were told not to do something, not to eat that fruit of the tree, And yet we know that they ate it. They used their arms, their hands, their teeth, and their taste buds to go against God and to go against his unconditional love. And when we read Genesis nowadays, we read about that tree. That tree is, of course, again, that one thing that Adam and Eve were told not to do. That tree, for us, represents God's commandments and God's plan for us in every area of life. And all throughout human history, there's been, you could say, a perpetual struggle between the desires of the body and that tree. Just as it was in the garden, so it is in every human age. What we desire in our flesh versus what we know to be good and what is evil. And modern man sees that tree, sees the commandments of God, and sees the things that God tells us to do and not to do. Modern man sees that tree... And hates it. Modern man hates the tree. It sees the tree as the embodiment of every authority over me and over my body and telling us what we can and cannot do. It prevents us, that tree does, from reaching our fullest and highest potential and stifles us from our true happiness. It's the attitude of modern man toward that tree. And I would argue that the past 200 years or so, one of the biggest goals of society has not been just to eat as much of that forbidden fruit from that tree as possible, but to cut down the tree and get rid of any other forbidden trees entirely. To rid ourselves of social taboos or any moral wrestling we might have over our conduct and instead do as we please. 
to free ourselves from religion and its authoritarian nature, to truly be who we want to be with no one telling us what to do or how to do it, to truly be free. And we look around our world, we have to be honest, for the most part, that movement has succeeded. Nowadays, there are virtually no more forbidden trees in our world. But has mankind become healthier? Are we as a human race more free as a result of taking so much of that fruit and getting rid of that forbidden tree? Are we a better people for having pornography available on our phones 24-7? Are we a better human race now that the terms man, woman, and marriage mean whatever we want them to mean? Are relationships stronger now that we give license to unfettered sexual expression with no transcendent meaning or aim? Absolutely not, brothers and sisters. What began as revolutionary behavior in the 60s has only brought us societal decadence and chaos. Divorce is commonplace. Casual relationships leave people feeling exploited and used for the pleasure of others. Fathers absent from homes, young people exposed to the explicit earlier and earlier in life. Millions beset with anxiety, depression, and despair. All because we no longer know who we are, and more importantly, we no longer know what we and the body are for. Because when things are used for their proper purpose and their proper meaning, there is right order, there is joy, and there is fulfillment. And when things such as the body are misused, the order in life is lost. And it only leaves us hurt, broken, and wounded. The consequences are all around us. Eliminating that tree has not given us more freedom. It's actually given us disgust and boredom. We become enslaved to the desires of the flesh. Our lack of freedom has only increased and exponentially so. And that's what sin does to us. It makes us worse off than what we were before. Sin promises us liberation and a better human existence, but it is never able to keep its promises. It blinds and confines us rather than liberates us. And in that blindness, we become unable to recognize where we went wrong. Because it would mean we would actually have to go back and change our lives, how we go about things, and what we hold most dear. And in the face of the confusion and the chaos of our society, Christ and his church present to us an entirely different anthropology. How we are created in the image and likeness of God, male and female, body and soul, And the body is for something greater than ourselves. It is for God. That is why Christ came in the flesh and came into this world with a human body to show us what the body is for. Think of the words of Jesus at the Last Supper. What did he do? Take this, all of you. This is my body, which will be given up for you. And of course, he did the same with the chalice and with his blood. Christ showed us that the body is not for ourselves, for what we might want, but for God to be used as a gift for others. Not something for our own self and selfishness, not meant to be used as we see fit, no, meant to be a gift. That we are made for a relationship. And that our love has to have Christ as its exemplar, ideal, and goal. As the modern theologian Christopher West would say, if we believe that God is love, and yet we keep him out of so many of our, our intimate relationships that whatever is taking place in there isn't real and authentic love. 
It's why the church has perennially taught what she has taught in areas of sexuality and marriage. That the body has meaning. It has a purpose. A meaning that we can't take away no matter how much we might want to otherwise. And the purpose of our bodies is to glorify God. To seek what is morally right. And the meaning of our bodies is found in authentic relationship and communion. Giving of ourselves to to one another. Especially in the union of husband and wife. And it doesn't help that in our world and even recently in our church that the meaning of the body can become distorted or ignored. And when we do this, brothers and sisters, we do it to our peril. To our peril. It only brings us ambiguity and confusion rather than clarity and peace. And there are real consequences to getting the meaning of the body wrong. And we unfortunately see it all around us. We are not better off. In fact, we are far worse off we live by the world's standards for love. And our world is unfortunately too blind to recognize where it's gone wrong. We desperately need to rediscover the meaning of the body and its transcendent purpose, both in the world and even in corners of our church. And while society around us changes with the wind, the church stands firm on the foundation of truth given to us by God himself. So let us hold on to these words from St. Paul today. And truly treasure and cherish them. That the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Let us rejoice that God has created us in his image, in flesh and blood, body and soul. And in Christ, he has taken to himself a body, our flesh, so that we might see what we are made to be and what the body is for.